0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the VF podcast. I am John. I'm here with our beautiful, wonderful co-host, oh my gosh. Caleb Lee Hunt. Thank you so much. Caleb, how are you feeling? I feel loved oh. right, right <laughs> here in this moment. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> haven't been called beautiful or wonderful <laughs> in a minute. It's been so long since I've called beautiful. We've been
1: called beautiful? <laughs> okay.
0: Well, we're going to continue our conversation today about leadership. Uh, last episode, we kind of just broke down what leadership was. Uh, we talked a little bit about church leadership, mm-hmm. how... Um, We've seen, you know, failures in the past and how impactful and how meaningful that is and how that can affect so many people negatively. Um, But today we're going to talk a little bit more about leadership in terms of what makes a great leader Hmm. from our context and how we can be leaders in our own context. So, Caleb, do you want to start us off like for you, what, what makes a great leader? That's a great question. Thank you. Great leaders ask great questions. Well, this is why I'm doing a podcast. (laughs) Welcome to the... Right. I don't remember what name we said for me last time, but the John Maxwell, whatever, look a little... Oh, yeah, yeah, John Maxwell.
1: You guys are basically related because you share the first... That's what it was. The first same name, but spelled differently. Yeah. Yeah. We share similar first names, so we're basically related. (laughs) (laughs) And you're from Ohio, so... Oh, well, he is, at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're (laughs) from PA. Whoops. Anywho. (laughs) Woo!
0: What makes Uh, a great leader, Caleb?
1: um, Well, first, I want to clarify that John and I, neither one of us claim to have it all together. We don't claim to be uh, the best of leaders, um, and we don't claim to be experts in the area of leadership. But I think that both of us being able to be in places of leadership early on and being exposed to high-level leaders very early on, both good and bad... um, I think that has provided some clarity of what makes a great leader for us and what is most important for us. And so I think one thing that's really important is knowing that a great leader is going to look different to someone versus maybe your own opinion. Um, And so what, you know, John might think that a healthy leader or a good leader looks differently than I do. And it's all based upon your contextual experience. It's all based on um, the forms of leadership that you've experienced and been exposed to. Um, And so all of that goes into what we're going to talk about today, which is what makes a healthy leader for both John and I. Um, And so I think one place that I want to take us to kind of kick off the conversation is I think one thing for me that, that makes a healthy leader, that makes a good leader. Um, is authenticity because I think that skills and traits and um, different like mechanisms and ways of thinking like those can all be taught but character is something that requires you to do a lot of inward looking at yourself Mm -hmm. a lot of self-reflection and it's something that only you have the power to change Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not something that you can just pick up in a book character is something that comes with experience it comes with um, you know things that you've been through how you've recovered and I think the difference between acting and reacting um, is really what develops or decides what a good leadership character looks like. Um, Because I think bad leaders often react to the things that happen to them and the things that happen around them. Um, And when things go wrong, they tend to react. And I think good leaders... Uh, have control of their reactions and they're able to act upon things they're able to sit back to to think critically even in moments that require quick action they're not reacting, they're acting hmm. um, and so I think that's one very important like trait for me to see in a leader um, that I would want to follow is do they have good character
0: hmm. so good character and then you said first like about authenticity too so hmm. Um, it seems like a kind of like a twofold answer to that question: What makes a great leader? So, kind of del- delve in more, I guess, on how authenticity plays into that.
1: Yeah. Um, so, one leader that I have served under, um, and try to keep everything as anonymous as possible. Um, they were different with different people. So they act, that person acted different. Depending on who that person was around, gotcha. Um, and so you never really got to see the a lot of people never got to see the authentic side of this person. Yeah, and that affected the way that people saw them. And so that person became a different leader to different people. Gotcha. And he might have thought that was brilliant. He might have thought, oh, that's that's a good thing because I'm able to adapt and shift and be who I want to be. But the truth is, nobody ever knew who he was. Yeah, And then that came back to bite him in the end because he always felt lonely, abandoned, right. like he didn't belong. And the truth is, you weren't being yourself. Right. So when you find out who he actually is, then you don't want to follow his leadership anymore. Yes. Uh, and I was one of the people that fortunately got to be very close uh, to him. And I got to see a lot of the sides that no one else saw. Um, and when I saw those, I mean, quite frankly... I I was just reminded, or I, I was in shock because I realized this person is not, they're good at, at at faking who they want to be. They're good at filling the expectations of who people expect him to be, but that's not the type of leader that I want to follow. That's yeah. not the person that I want to serve under, and yeah. that's not a person that I want to become. Because the truth is, the more time you spend with people, um, the five they say the five people closest to you, you become... Like you pull and take things from yeah. them and be- become like a version of all five of yeah, them. Become the average. Yeah, yeah. the average. Yeah. So I didn't want that to be my average. I didn't want to live my life in a way where I was serving people and leading people, but then also like hated people. Right. And also was like really mean to, to <laughs> people and talked very poorly about them behind yeah. their back. Um, I would never want to be a leader like that. And so I think that was, uh, that's why authenticity is big for me because if you are unhealthy, like, that doesn't negate you from being in a leadership position. Like, I think even if you read scripture, like, David, that dude had some issues. Mm-hmm. But Moses, that guy had some issues. Like, all kinds of leaders in the Bible had issues. But they were themselves. They were right. authentic. They could see that. And it's okay to not be okay. But in order to move forward, like, you have to acknowledge where you are. Yeah, that makes sense. For me, it kind of dovetails into something that I
0: highly value, which is humility. Mm. Um It's really hard for me to follow somebody who thinks that they are better than the organization that they serve or they are above any questioning or they're above the rules Mm -hmm. that they set for others. It's really hard for me to look at somebody who's really braggadocious or just Mm -hmm. full of themselves and and want to follow that person. And so I think the authenticity part, yeah, you have to be authentic, but you also... Like, like what you were saying, you also have to be a good person. Yeah. You know, because like take Donald Trump, for example. So some people think Donald Trump is a great leader because he is braggadocious and because all of these things. Right. He knows who he is. He's super full of himself, super confident in that. But then again, half of the country, more than half the country, like despised him. Right. And they, so they didn't want to follow him. And so they voted him out. Right. Yeah. And so I think a more humble person. Granted, he's like the most powerful person on the planet, so it's hard to be super humble as the president of the United States. You have to be a very confident person. But for me, a a great leader, not just a powerful leader, not just a strong leader, but a great leader that I want to follow, is also humble. They can say, you know what, this was a mistake. We learned from it. Mm -hmm. We're going to change course, and I own that. And I think ultimately a great leader can do that. And it also helps them retain their leadership status. Because if I look at somebody who has made a mistake and they're just like, nope, I never make mistakes. I never have and I never will. And if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. Well, then they're just going to be building sandcastles and it'll just be washed away. right? If if somebody wants to build something that lasts, they're going to have to be honest about who they are, um, the ways they've fallen short. They're going to have to be humble and authentic in that. But then I think the main point that we're trying to get at is maybe honesty. Yeah. Like they have to be honest about who they are, where they come from, and ways they messed up. Also, ways that they've succeeded. And like it doesn't need to be a false sense of humility but saying, you know what? We made this call a long time ago as a team, right? They have to give credit where credit is due. Right. But as a leader, we made this call. And I think it was the right call. And we're going to head in that direction still. So I think – honesty is something that kind of encapsulates both the character aspect of it, the authenticity aspect of it, and humility. So do you want to talk a little bit yeah. about how honesty comes into leadership? Because I think, I think you were hinting at it there a little bit with the unhealthy leader that you said you knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so where has honesty come out and maybe a healthy aspect in some of your, your experiences?
1: Yeah. Well, one thing I definitely want to touch on is – The different, like sometimes I think confidence or arrogance can come across as confidence, Mm. like I think they look alike, yeah. And so, from a surface level, um, arrogance can look like confidence, um, but you really can't tell that it's arrogance until you take that next step into getting to know that person, yeah. Um, and I've worked for a lot of leaders that that tiptoe line, like when I first started like either volunteering or I first started serving under them or whatever it was, I'm like, oh man, they're just so confident. Like I wanna be that confident. Yeah. But then you realize after some point in time, you're like, oh shoot, this isn't confidence anymore. This is this is arrogance. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't want to be that. Yeah. And so that's a fine and I think that's the difference between uh a character for me, the reason like so even using Donald Trump versus Obama, for example, like Obama didn't do the greatest things in his presidency. He didn't have the greatest policies. He failed on some levels. Um, but look at that dude's character. Like the difference in in, in character between him and Donald Trump, yeah, even the, like their family life or whatever. The family but, life, yeah. the way that they like talk about other people, the way that they describe the hope that they have for America, I'm not even sure that Donald Trump has said more than ten things that is positive about our country just he's played he says
0: it's the greatest yeah
1: he says it's the greatest but also he's taken the position of being attacked by everyone else from the minute that he took presidency Um, and so it's even just the two like that's the stark difference for me like even if you just look at those two they both made mistakes they both did things wrong they both weren't the greatest presidents but one has a character that outshines the other yeah And one can't even be honest with the fact that he lost the election, that, like, America doesn't want you to be president anymore. He can't accept it. Um, And so coming back to the honesty thing, like, you have to, one, be honest with yourself, Mm. but also be honest with the people that you're leading. Because Mm. the truth is, like, if you look at all the major, like, right-wing Trump supporters that are diehard, like, they're not even Republicans. They're just Trump supporters. Yeah. Um... They're like following him to the masses because they're like, if he says that he won the election, then he won the election. And the truth is like wherever leadership is, people are waiting to follow. They're looking to you to make their next action and their next action, their next, how they prioritize the mission that you're trying to accomplish uh, comes in how you communicate and translate things. And so if you're not being honest with your team, about where they are, if you're not being honest with the people who are under you about where you are, um, then you're going to constantly lead people astray. And then everyone else on the outside is going to be looking at them like what in the world is happening. Yeah. Um, and so I think honesty is huge because if you want to lead people in the right direction, you have to acknowledge where you are.
0: Yeah. Well, I think uh, something that leaders struggle with too is they, they want to be honest, but the people around them don't necessarily encourage that right because a lot of people become yes men and they want to just like tickle the ears of whoever's in leadership so that they can gain more clout in the leader's eyes and not have their job or not have their position or not you know whatever called into question right so a lot of people will just tell the leader what they want to hear and so the leader doesn't have to be honest because he doesn't know so a lot of leaders i've noticed that have very very good intentions They're never told a negative thing, and so they just think, all right, we're on the right track, we're just gonna keep going. Mm. Like, I'm amazing, this is amazing. You all say I'm amazing, so I must be. So we're just gonna keep going. And so, I think, not only does a leader have to be honest with who they are, with how they're going about things, and honest with their people that serve under them, but they also have to surround themselves Mm. with honest people. Yeah. like I think that is something that is huge and something that's really, really hard to do, to surround yourself with people that are going to call you out when you make mistakes, that, that are going to um, let you know whenever
1: you've done well, but also equally let you know when you've messed up. I think one thing, I was thinking about this, so I was actually, I was watching a, uh, I was watching a worship night on YouTube mm-hmm. at, at a very big church in the West and was just thinking to myself like one of the worst things you can do is make the most talented person the leader Hmm. because people equate talent with leadership they're like oh if that person's super talented they should have leadership roles yeah but the truth is when the most talented person is made the leader nobody wants to correct them yeah because they're the most talented Nobody wants to tell them that they're not doing things right. Nobody wants to tell them where their flaws are at because in their mind, they're like, oh, that person's more talented than me. That person has more to offer than I do. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like I think one of the healthiest things that a leader can do is uh, – or that any organization can do is don't make the most talented person the leader. Make the person who's going to be the best character fit and the best overall fit for the team, the one who cares the most about the people who are on the overall team, yeah. and then make that talented person a key asset that you have.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, now, I think that there are occasions where the most talented person can be the leader. But it's rare. But it's rare. Yeah. Because uh, often, with comes talent, comes ego, and yeah. comes conflation of ego and yeah. all of those things. Um, and so, I mean, Hillsong, for example, is a great example for me of like... That's a healthy team because their most talented person on their platform, their most talented worship leader, is not the lead worship person. Mm. It's actually one of their weakest singers, but he started it. Yeah. He started Hillsong and then outgrew his talent. Like his talent outgrew him. Yeah. And so now, like, he's the leader, the pastor over those people. Elevation does the same thing from a worship perspective, which I think is actually really good. Wade Joy who is their worship pastor? Doesn't even sing. Yeah. Doesn't. Well, he he used to, but like he doesn't. He doesn't really lead worship on the platform anymore at all. And now it's just like. I yeah. But I also see those
0: churches, and I look at. I mean, I can't really say anything about Stephen Furtick negative, but I've heard you know, from yeah. people on the inside that like... Oh, I, I'm talking strictly
1: worship department.
0: I understand, but yeah. you have to look also at the whole, like if it's under, and, and who is the guy, I think we talked about it last time too, in New York, the Hillsong New York. Oh, Carl. Carl, yeah. Lens Lance? Yeah, Lentz, Lentz. Um, Dang it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like Hillsong, yes, the worship team is set up that way, but the whole structure was built around this uber-handsome uber talented, like one of the best communicators, right? And this cult of personality. And so it was built around him. Right. And now he falls and a lot of people are hurt. And so it was built around the most talented person, even if the music necessarily wasn't, the organization structure
1: was. And so here's one thing that I'm going to do that is hard for me to do because I don't know either of these leaders. I can only look from my... Own perspective, right? And I've done homework on both of them because I, at one point, was very big into the evangelical mega church world, wanted to be everything about it. Yes, um, one thing I will say is even if you look at Stephen Furtick versus Carl Lenz, and they're both great, um, communicators, they've both made mistakes. Um, I we went to a church in Charlotte, and that church will remain unnamed, (laughs) but they literally called themselves Elevation Rehab. Because they were like, this is where all the elevation volunteers who get hurt come, yeah. and we take care of them, and we like bring them back to health and give them hope again. The church, yeah. um, and so there's that side. But as a character, like Carl Lentz was always out partying with celebrities. Mm-hmm. He was always out on a boat like with famous people, and was kind of like coined as the pastor of celebrities yep. of really trendy attractive people yeah um which then eventually led to his failure um with you know not being faithful to his wife and i'm sure there's so much more that i can't even look into that like that i will never know about right um because i don't know what that pressure is like but also i mean that led to his failure
0: yeah and he didn't surround himself with people to call him out on that stuff
1: yes you know um and Stephen furtick what I know about him um, is he's so consumed one with his church body, mm-hmm. but I don't think he would ever be in a place to make a real mistake like that because he's a, he's such a home man, like he's such mm-hmm. like a family person, like a family person. So like all the time on his uh, Instagram stories, even like stuff in the church, like it's very I think that Southern church belt culture does this, but it's very much like. Husband, wife on the stage all the time. Yeah, like we're very together all the time. We go home together. We come to church together. Our lives are together, and this is our life. Yeah. Um, but in the in the north, in New York, church is like I'm not going to church. Like uh-huh. I'm not going to do that. And I'd never once saw Carl Carlence's wife on stage. Like I never want. And not that the wife has to be on stage or even on the team. Um, but I I think even just the difference in how they presented themselves shows a lot about like where their failures might Yeah, be. and
0: they're, they're very different people.
1: I don't know either of them, right? right so it's right. easy for
0: me to, like, stand over here and be like, no, 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 this, this guy, yeah, guy yeah. or whatever. But I think a good example of maybe the best example I can think of, um, or I have a few examples of having the most talented person not be the leader. I think that often comes out really in a healthy way in sports. So I mm-hmm. think of, like, the 90s Bulls, right? Ooh, yeah. Phil Jackson was the leader. Right? And the reason they had so much success is because he was a leader and he let Pippin and Jordan and Rodman and Kerr shine in their own ways. Right? Yes. And so, like, a lot of organizations nowadays, if they had a Michael Jordan on their team, they would let them call the shots. You, you see it, you saw it with, like, the Houston Rockets, for example, right? Yeah. They just, they just let James Harden call the shots and then it imploded in, like, a season. Right. Right? They went from being one of the best teams to be, like, eh, fine, I guess. Right. And they had some of the most talented players because he was calling the shots. Where with the Bulls, it was Phil Jackson. He was the leader. And so he could treat all of his athletes the way they needed to be treated and let them shine and and let their talent come out in similar ways. For my soccer fans in the world, um, this would be very similar to what um, Pep Guardiola did in Barcelona. It would be really similar to what um, Jurgen Klopp is doing right now in Liverpool. So Klopp, he loves all of his players so much. He's like known for being l- beloved by mm-hmm. his players. He goes up and hugs every single one of them after a game. He treats them like his kids. But he lets them be the stars because you know he pushes them up, pushes them up because they play out of a place of freedom and a place of confidence because they know their coach has their back and what's what's best for them. Right. So there was like this breaking news thing where one of the best forwards in the world, his name is Mohammed Salah. He's one of the best forwards in the world. He was asked recently on this, this like newspaper or you know whatever, a, a news article, they asked him, oh, would you ever want to play at a different club? And he said, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I would love to play in La Liga, like a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. It'd be great. They're a top club. And there was like all this news, all this news about, like, oh, he wants to move to Real Madrid, blah, blah, blah. And so Jürgen Klopp the next day is like asked about it. He's like, I don't care about that. He's here. He's playing great. Yeah. Like, I want him to succeed wherever he's at. Right. And then that game, he comes off the bench, and he scores two goals in one game. Like, off the bench in, like, 15 minutes. Because he had the confidence and the freedom. Like, oh, my coach, no matter what, wants what's best for me. Right. And I've played a lot. He took care of me by sitting me on the bench, you know, so I could rest my legs. Right. And then put me in a position to succeed. And so I see that a lot more in sports than I do in Like churches, for example. Because churches, especially Mm -hmm. ones that we deem quote-unquote successful, are built around these super charismatic personalities, and then they either get burnt out or they fail. Sometimes they they work great if they surround themselves with great people. Mm. But I even think of, like, the two Mars Hills, you know? Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, very, very different personalities in Rob Bell and Mark Driscoll. Yes. Right? Very, very different personalities. Yes. But... Both failed. Both well, Well, the Mars Hill in Michigan is still going. It's still going. It's still yeah. going. Um, but, but it doesn't have Rob Right, and Rob Bell was burnt out. Yeah, yeah. He was burnt out. And so he had to move away. He had to do something completely different. Mm-hmm. And Mark Driscoll, yeah, that church exploded because of him. Right. Um, because he didn't surround himself with good people, you know? Yeah. And so I think whenever, like, like you're saying, when... It is built on a personality. When an organization is built around the most talented person, it can only go as far as that person can go.
1: Right. Right. I, one thing that I see churches do a lot, um, that is like, I wish they would, I wish I, it's harder to do than to say. Um, so saying this is going to be super easy, but it's also really hard to do this But I think churches hire really talented people because it's really hard to get talented people to volunteer their time and skills to do things. Because usually people who are very, very talented at something um, usually have been... One, they have conflated ego. It just is what it is. I've been there too. I've done it. Not that I'm super talented, but I like any form of little dose of talent has also come with ego that I've had to work through. Um, But also... I think we we hire super talented people so that we don't ever have to worry about not having talent Mm. because a lot of what the church does in America runs and rides on talented people. Yeah, Um, And so we hire talented staff, but what that does is it creates the Mark Driscoll-type pressure where everything revolves around you like you you're the key piece of all of this and outside of it like unless you are raising up people who are more talented than you because to some level you in order to attract talent you have to have talent mm. because nobody no talented person even for i'm thinking from a music perspective but even from all across the board like no talented speaker, no talented musician, no talented like uh, person who is very structurally minded wants to come in and be the only person who's good at anything. Right. Um, and so you have to have talent to attract talent, but also you have to be care more about people than about your own talent. To, to bring in people and care about them, to retain people and to not just have a revolving door where people walk in and walk out because they don't feel valued. Because that's why people are there. They want to grow closer to jesus and they want to feel valued by their community and they want to know that somebody loves them and cares about them and then anything outside of that is like of course i would give my time of course i would give xyz but we put talented people in a place of leadership and all that pressure with like i'm the key missing piece in all this thing if i'm gone this whole thing flops it's not the same without me um i think that leads people to make bad decisions because that is a weight unlike any other yeah I, where you're like, if I'm gone for any point of time, if I take a vacation, if I'm gone on a weekend, the whole standard of excellence of the entire thing drops. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. That's so much pressure. So being a good leader means you're not talented with whatever you're doing. No, it oh. <laughs> means that you care more about investing in people than you do your own talent. Yeah. You care more about investing in people than you do what you have to offer Yeah. Um, because what you have to offer is loving people mm-hmm. and that should be your priority when you're a leader. Yeah. Um, I, we were talking about this whenever we were like just kind of briefly going over what we're going to talk about for this episode. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to, like, whether it's a corporate structure, whether it's a church structure... Um, no matter what type of business, organization, whatever, if you're in a place of leadership, you have to care about the people that you're serving. Mm. And that's the other part is you're serving them. You're not just leading them. Yeah. Um, because the best type of leaders are the ones that put their people first. Yeah. Like, just like the illustration that you used um, with Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to put your team first because they're the most important. You come second. Um, but you also know that at the same time you're the glue that holds everyone together. Yeah. Um, and leaders need to be the glue. They don't need to be the glitter. Yeah. Um, so.
0: Oh, I like that. I need yeah. The glue, not a glitter. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp had. I, he's my favorite coach of any sport in the world. Yeah. Um, so Klopp had this great quote. This was right after Liverpool won the Champions League, which, for those of you who don't know, the Champions League is all of the best teams in Europe play in this year-long tournament where they get whittled down till the spring and the, the best two teams in Europe play for the Champions League. So it's a big deal to win it. So they had just won the Champions League and um, Klopp was asked, like, how, how do you find this success as a coach? And all he said was, it's all about the boys. It's about the boys. It's about the boys. It's about the boys. Yeah. None of it was about him. He said, my philosophy as a coach is it's all about my team. It's not about me. It's not about our coaching staff. Right. It's just about the boys. It's about the team. Right. And I think that's something a great leader can do. But I think a great leader can also say, hey, this is where we're going, right? Yeah. So they have to have a vision where they're going and provide clarity on how to get there, which is something I'm, I'm really big on. Right. So we're going to stay with the, the sports analogy right now. We'll probably talk about church stuff and uh, government stuff too. Right. But when Klopp took over, Liverpool, they were not great, they're like mid-table, um, yeah. but he said, I think in four to five years, or two to three years, I don't even remember what he said, but in a few years, we'll win a Champions League and we'll win the Premier League, which is like the English League. Yeah. And this is how we're going to get there. We're going to bring in better players, we're going to raise up young guys, um, and we're going to you know, finish mid-table, get a little bit better each season. So we provided clarity and vision. Yeah. So I want you to talk a little bit about how you see that play out You know, in the business world, in the church world, in government structures, like talk a little bit about clarity.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, definitely. I mean, nobody's going to follow somebody that isn't willing to tell everyone else where they're going. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to follow a leader if they don't tell me what's next. If they don't tell, like, where are we going? This year, 2021, could be as bad as 2020 was, maybe worse. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Where are you taking me in this because I'll follow if you tell me, probably, um, if I agree with it, if I'm on board. Uh, but even if I don't, like if I feel like you are you have thought about this and you really believe this is the right decision, I'll go with you. Yeah. But I can't go somewhere unless you're willing to tell me where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody wants to follow a leader that doesn't have clarity. If you don't have vision um, for where you're going, then good luck ever trying to get people to hop on board yeah. and go with you. Um, and I think like... So I've been serving at this church now, um, and it's great. Like it's a, it's a wonderful community. Like the people there, the people on staff have have been incredible. People that I've talked to in the church are so nice, mm-hmm. um, and their worship team. Like they welcomed me with open arms. Like they're very friendly people. Um, but one thing that I love about their lead pastor is that he is so vision focused mindset. Yeah. Like he is very much like man, here's my sermon series for the next six months. And we're doing this because, you know, this program is important, but we really want to focus on being able to engage more people in it. And so this is why this sermon series is on this, because we care about this program and we believe it's going to change lives and people are going to be made different and be closer to Jesus because of it. And so, like, a church that has a vision but can execute it in a healthy way, oh, that's rare. Yeah. Like, that's a breath of fresh air for me. That's super rare. Um... And so, and I think even like you can be a good leader. Uh, like, if you have good character, most of the time you'll have buy in yeah. and people will follow you for a little bit. But after some point, it's like, okay, wait. Where are we going? Where are we going with this? Yeah. Like, why are we, like, I'll do this, but like, why, where are we going? Yeah. Show me the end result. People want to know where they're going before you take them somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's definitely true.
0: I see it, you know, I work in the church as well. So I see it a lot in the church world of, having one without the other. So I see a lot of leaders that have vision and even have clarity, but they don't have the character, the honesty, the authenticity, the humility, right? So they don't create buy-in that way. And so they can create big church structures hmm. that churn a lot of, like they get a lot of people in the front door and then hurt a lot of people on the back door. And then on the opposite side of the coin, I see a lot of small churches that have really great people at the helm, right? They, they are honest. They're authentic. They are humble people, um, but they they don't say where they're going. Yeah. And there's no vision of what's next. And so they have the same, you know, 50, 100 people that meet at this church that, you know, they're just – we just show up on Sunday. Why? Because of what we do. We like each other. We're friends. Whatever. And that's fine. That's a a good thing. Right. But it's not actually advancing anything. Right. Right? And so it is super rare to have both. You know, I I served – under a super dynamic person when I, was, when I was in California. He had vision and he had clarity, but he was not a good person. Yeah. And so, you know, in my time there, there were 16 paid staff, full-time paid staff, that were either fired, quit, or were pushed out. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to have buy-in whenever you see this revolving door, even if you say, man, we have this amazing vision for what we're gonna be. Right. You, know, you have to be a good person. Yeah. So I think that's important to note too, that the foundation is to be a good leader, you have to be like a person of integrity. Right. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. And then from there, the the vision for what's next, that's kind of like the, um, I don't know, every, that, that's maybe the icing on the cake. Yeah. I don't know if that's well, the icing on the cake. It's, it's just what propels you forward. And so yeah. that's why it's, you can't be a good leader if you're not going anywhere. Right. Right. You're leading people towards something.
1: And the scary thing, too, uh, is that you have to find a balance between leading people. Because when you take people somewhere that they're, they've never been before, they have to do things they've never done before. Yeah. So, like, for example, and this is a lighthearted example, but still, like, I think fits in the narrative of what I'm trying to explain. Is for the past two weeks, I've been working out with you. Mm-hmm. Um... I've had to do workouts, exercises that I've never done before. Yeah. Um, but in order to get stronger, in order to be better, which I know is going to be better for me mm-hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally, um, I have to do things I've never done. And yeah. some of those things are hard and some of those things put strain on me and some of those things I don't always want to do when I'm in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, but I have to trust that you're taking me somewhere that is best for me and I do trust you to yeah. do that. Um, and so with leadership, like, small churches a lot of times they have leaders who the people control where they go so like that's not good because then you have people who do the same thing over and over and over because it's comfortable and we're not changing anytime soon and it doesn't matter what the lead pastor is or who or she is uh he she we're not changing yeah we control this ship and we're going wherever we say we're going yeah um but at the same time like you have to you can't have a leader that is like, I know we just finished this milestone. Pick up your bag, we're gonna keep going. Like we're gonna like we're moving on to the next thing. And if you you feel like you're tired, it's your fault.
0: Yeah. It's because um, you don't care enough.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. not that's not healthy either. Yeah. So you have to find a balance of being able to challenge people, but also that's where that integrity comes in, like you were saying, is that people have to know that you're taking them somewhere that is best for them. Yeah. Even if it's hard, even if it's challenging, even if it's confusing, if they know where they're going and they trust you. Um then I think that's it. Like yeah. that's, and that's so much harder to do than it is to say. But then again, I don't think it is that much harder to do than it is to
0: say, but maybe like maybe that's easy for me to say because I am a visionary person. Like right. I'm always future oriented. Yeah. Um, but that's just like how I've always been wired. I've always been thinking about what's next. And so maybe for some people who are just like, maybe I have a contentment issue. Maybe maybe that's something that I need to work through. Like maybe the reason I am so future-oriented is because I'm never content.
1: Yeah. Haley and I are working on contentment uh. right now <laughs> with me. With me, I'm the issue. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, I wish we had a bigger house. Like yeah. I wish we had a nicer whatever. Yeah. And I'm, my Enneagram 7 is always a grass is greener mm. type person. So I'm like, oh, man, once we get over there, yeah. oof, we're going to be good. Like yeah. we're going to be I'm set. Yeah. 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 Like if I could do four creative projects a month, like, ooh, I I would be good, I'd be good, like it would fill my passions, I would be fine financially with it, like whatever, but I also know that once I get there, there's another grass. Yeah, on, the there's grass on Yeah,
0: yeah. it's it's a similar thing for me as a three of just like you know what if I could just do this thing, yeah, then people will see how great I am. I'll
1: achieve it, and yeah. then I'll
0: then people <laughs> will finally like me, you know, because I'm like nobody likes me unless I do right. a lot. Right. I'll um, earn their respect. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's just like a character flaw in me that I need to be working on is you know being more content um, and not always be future oriented, but that's something that's really tough for me like yeah. I'm always thinking about what's next I'm always thinking of um, the next project how we can get better how we can get stronger how we can get faster how we can get more streamlined how we can go on to the next thing how we can reach more people like I'm always thinking yeah. of those things and it's it's good and bad like I think it's a double-edged sword because um, a lot of times people with my personality that we can burn people out that are following us right because mm. For us, the next thing is is life giving. Yeah, we're doing this next thing, and that you know that's something to stay hungry for. Right. But for others, that can be like super exhausting. Yeah. Right. And so, that's where the rubber meets the road with having vision and clarity, or maybe it's just a balance thing, Hmm. like having having the honesty, the integrity, the authenticity, and the humility, balanced with the vision and clarity.
1: Got to be able to juggle all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I think it is a balance. because they're, they're two great and beautiful thing. Right. And you're never perfectly in balance. But the best leaders can hold those things in tension yep. and care about the people that are following them, be honest with them, have integrity around it, care about being – like not being followed but care about the people that are following them. Right. And providing them with vision and clarity like, hey, we're on this – we're on to the next thing. But in the right moment, in the right season, after you take a breath, and that's fine. Yeah. And I think I think the example you gave of, like, the training situation, right? Like, I'm not going to just throw you to the wolves. Right. Right? In your training, I'm not going to say, like, oh, you have to lift more. You have to do more. You have right. to, be, you know, get strong right now, right now. Right. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not how you get stronger in the long term. Right. And so I have to have the honesty and humility of saying... You know, it's a long process. Yeah. And we need to work on this technique first. We need to work on your breathing first. We need to work on your bracing first and rooting into the floor. Like, you never knew how important your foot connected to the floor. Like, you never knew how important that was until this week. Right. But, like, that's where everything starts. Yeah. And so, you have to trust me to have your best interest in mind. Right. Right. But also, we have to have the vision as a team right. of saying, Okay, this is, this is where you want to get to. You yeah. want to look better, you want to feel better, you want to be stronger. So yeah. That's fine, right? Yeah. That, so that's the vision. And then we also have to have clarity of, okay, this is, this is point A and we're trying to get to point B. Right. And this is the step-by-step process of how we get there. So you trust me to have your best interest in mind, to keep you healthy, keep you safe, show you the proper ways of doing things, not yep. progress you too fast or too slow. You have the vision as a team of this is where we want to get to. This is this is your goal, right? And you have to have the clarity step-by-step step of how to get there. Hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's like the smallest, dumbest example, but I think it's actually no. a pretty good... Yeah, <laughs> I, think I think it works. I think
1: that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, honestly, this is a great place to kind of wrap this episode yeah. up. I, I felt like everything you just said was spot-on to kind of like a great recap of our whole conversation. Um, yeah, I mean... In short, I, one thing that I would encourage anybody who's following a leader to do um, is to have grace. Yeah. Um, because leadership is hard. Like I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat around the bush. Leadership, especially in the church setting, for me, like that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Um, was be a leader in a church, and it, it's difficult. There's a lot of pressure that comes with it, and unless you're in it you'll never understand it. Yeah. And so if you're serving under a leader, whether it's a local church or it's in the business world, whatever it is, leadership is hard. And have grace because they're not perfect. Um, don't put perfection expectations on them. But also um, be willing to trust that even if you don't know where they're going or they're not being clear with you or even if you, know, you don't agree with where the organization is heading, give that leader a chance yeah. Have an open heart. Um, and then, But at the same time, have conviction. Have, be able to call out when you see things that are wrong. And even if the ego of a leader doesn't like that, um, it's your responsibility as somebody who cares about the organization and the, and the people that you are achieving goals with. Um, and, you know, in leadership with you have to call out the things that are bad yeah um and so that would be my encouragement to anyone who is following a leader and for anyone who which we all are like we're all following some leader yeah yeah so i guess for everybody yeah um and for anyone who is a leader who's in a spot of leadership in any capacity um just really pay attention to your character check your heart search your heart um and especially for organizations care less about your logo and more about your leadership structure. Um, (laughs) You don't need to change your foyer until you change your heart and how you see your volunteers and how you see people. Um, And so... Yeah. yeah, it's
0: that cliche. Like people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Absolutely. Like, that's a cliche, but it's super true. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but I'm interested if anyone is listening to this. Hopefully, there's somebody out there who's listening to this. There's no way of knowing. There's nobody. There's no way of knowing. <laughs> um, but if you uh, if you have thoughts on leadership, I'd love to know them. I think John and I would love to be able Absolutely. to to read over them. If there's anything you feel like we missed or anything we didn't expand upon, uh, you can hit us up. We have an email. Um, and I know that's like a super old school way, but I feel like it's actually a really intentional way of communicating. I feel like if we had a P.O. box, that would be yeah. the <laughs> Right, right, right. That's true. Yeah, you call the nearest dove to you and then send it. Um, but you can email any questions. Um, if you want to connect with us, any thoughts that you have, we would love to hear them. Um, and so feel free to send us an email at thevfpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Um, and then also, if you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. Feel free to leave us a review, Uh, leave an honest review. We would love your feedback Uh, and it also helps people find the podcast. And so uh, thanks for for joining us for this conversation and until next time, love y'all. Love y'all.